0: Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You're listening to episode 197 of The Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. I am super excited for today's guest, Um, and I need to begin with a story. If I could (laughs) go back to my younger self, if I could give him one bit of information and one bit of advice, it would be in, in the age of understanding more about... Uh, acting inappropriate and harassing people, and just being an overall pest. If some, if a woman says no for something, just leave it be. Don't ask again later. <laughs> However, that said, my guest today, I, I think I've asked at least uh, five times to be on this show, and I, I'm I, clearly my younger self is not influencing this because <laughs> I was just going to keep on asking, and that is because uh, several years ago I came across uh, her work on the art of the title, which we'll talk about a little bit more. And I was, I was just taken aback. It was beautiful. It was elegant. It was, uh, dedicated to, um, the nuance of creating film and, um, then, unbeknownst to me, I found out She's a Torontonian, so I asked several times over for her to show up on the on this humble little soapbox of mine. And today uh, we have her. She is one of the brains behind the Art of the Titles that you can find at of the titlecom Lola Landakitch is here. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I appreciate your persistence. <laughs> so part, of, part of that process too was me saying, "Keep asking. I really want to do this with you."
0: See, that, that's the that's the key is to look for <laughs> look. You know, like. Young men out there if you're looking for a key as to whether or not you're being harassing or, or if you're uh, you know on the right trail like you know ask again later is is, is the the key to it all so yeah. um, if they th-
1: want you to keep asking yeah yeah, make yeah. It clear <laughs> yeah
0: no does mean no but no but cook p- key ask again is okay
1: yeah
0: on episode 197 we will be discussing a quiet place we'll be turning the record over to play the other side but first we need to learn more about lola this is know your enemy. Okay, so you got my my tome of notes, you know what you're in for. Uh, Do tell, what is one of the first films that you saw in a theater?
1: The first film I have memory of seeing in theaters is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Wow, okay. So I was very small, so small in fact, that I could not see unless I sat on the cinema seat unfolded.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, that had to be so uncomfortable. I, I, don't, I don't... I mean, like, kids... All I remember is the movie.
0: Right, so. but I mean, like, like it, it's kind of funny, because you'll see kids will sit in the weirdest ways, and you're like, you can't be comfortable. But they're like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, so I was basically okay.
1: standing to yeah. watch this movie.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: Uh, yeah, and I loved it. It was terrifying, especially the ants. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I was... Because uh, I'm from Serbia, so I saw, would, would have seen that in Belgrade, and there's this, like... Um, beautiful old picture house now is closed in our neighborhood there, and that's my first cinema going experience. What
0: was the, what was the place like? Do you remember? Can you tell us about that?
1: Um, yeah, it, it was just like a weird old eighties, um, you know, communist Yugoslavia <laughs> theater. So
0: like like something out of like a Kislovsky movie kind of thing. <laughs> Which I know is a totally other like realm of Eastern Europe. It was just a simple neighborhood. It
1: was just a simple neighborhood theater. Um, Now it's been shut down for like at least twenty years. And every time I walk past it when I visit, I'm like sad about it. But I do remember Honey, I Shrunk the Kids.
0: Do you ever want to like go back and reopen it and start like? That is my dream. Really?
1: Yeah. There's that meme going around with that cat at the table. That's like I should buy a boat. Yeah. I'm like I should buy a cinema. that would be a dream
0: i like that idea yeah. yeah. you're you're standing there like did your parents ever oh no because you couldn't see yeah. i was gonna say did they ever tell you to sit down no because yeah, i was
1: very small that's very small. <laughs> <laughs> like four feet tall just a tiny little thing oh
0: my god <laughs> <laughs> i it it like it's kind of funny because you would think that at a certain point you would get restless and say no i don't want to sit like this anymore but you obviously must have
1: i needed the leverage
0: I mean, <laughs> I needed and like you found the art form that you would love right yeah so
1: nice also a beautiful opening sequence
0: I don't remember it.
1: It's completely animated. It's by Croyer uh, Films, who also went on to make Ferngully. Okay. But it's this like, cartoon drawing with like a little bit of 3D animation, like early computer animation. Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to look that up.
1: It's great. Oh, cool. It's really funny.
0: Um, what's one of the last films you saw that's not A Quiet Place?
1: Uh, Vagabond, Agnes Varda's Vagabond.
0: Okay, so, uh, first of all, you're making me jealous because there's, like, a whole retrospective that's going on at Lightbox right now, and, um, I want to make sure that I get to a few of them before it's done. Um, which one is Vagabond? It's,
1: um, so it's a story of this, like, roaming woman through the countryside, and she has no home, no fixed address, and she sort of just, like, makes her way through the world and will not sort of be constrained by anyone's rules or expectations of her. She's, like, stinky and dirty and gross, and she just defies all your expectations of what a woman should be. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible, but it's told with such beautiful compassion and, like, empathy, just like all of Varda's films are. Uh,
0: When was it from? Do you know?
1: uh, I want to say, like, 70s. I can't remember the exact year now. One of the reasons I really feel like I connect with it is because one of my favorite stories is... Herman Melville's Bartleby the Scrivener. Okay. Uh, <laughs> where,
0: where Ryan starts making notes. <laughs>
1: Please <laughs> <And> it's continue. <laughs> a, it's something I've always connected with. And uh, it's, Bartleby the Scrivener is this character who shows up to work as a Scrivener. He's this like copyist in this lawyer's office. So his job is to copy documents. Um, he begins doing that, but then very slowly he decides he doesn't want to. But he keeps showing up. And people ask, keep asking him to do his job, and he just says, "I would prefer not to." Huh. And finally, sort of towards, he's sort of is, it's, He's a nihilist. He becomes this like complete embodiment of like entropy and, and nihilism, and he just he will not do anything anyone else wants him to do, and it's kind of this like downward spiral, which is a lot of what happens in Vagabond. Okay, she will not be told what to do. She does not want to work. She does not want. Oh, anyone man. telling her how to live
0: okay and so it's like, I, I need to see this i need to see this movie i certainly need to read this story yeah um it's how, short so it's simple <laughs> the, the the story is yeah. okay is the film the film's feature right the film's a feature yeah. i i i really want to as i said i really want to get to a few more of those varda i'm i'm somewhat illiterate when it comes to varda which is to say i've seen like two movies plus Faces, Places?
1: Yeah, I've only, I'd only seen a couple before the retrospective. Why, I just like, that's why I'm diving into it. Yeah,
0: was it like, were there a lot of people show up for that one?
1: Yeah. Oh, good. Each each, series, each screening has been like incredibly packed. And that's good. The reception is yeah. just wonderful. People laugh and just, it's just, it's okay. a beautiful feeling.
0: What is one of the worst films you have ever seen?
1: Okay, so I was thinking about this question a lot. And I feel like this notion of, you know, good and bad in film is very problematic and perspective. Prescriptive. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of it, but there are a lot of films I've hated. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's where sure. I'll go with this. Sure, okay. Um, and I feel like some of my choices are uh, controversial. So uh, like, <laughs> Bring it, let's yeah. go. <laughs> so, like, uh, recently I went to see The Little Girl That Was Too Fond of Matches. It was part of Canada's top 10. Okay. And uh, I could not bear this film. I, I, I convinced myself to stick it out because, like, you know, with books and film, I'm a completist, I want to see the end, I, mm-hmm. I always am hopeful it can redeem itself.
0: I call it kaiser Soze syndrome. Yeah, right. I'm like, the last shot of this thing may pay off <laughs> exactly. everything that yeah. came before, so I'm getting through the end.
1: Yeah, so I have this like undying hope every time mm-hmm. I go to the film. I was like, you never know what's coming up. It's like hubris to think you know what's coming yeah. up, what's going to un- unfold here. So I'm always like, like dying, hoping it's going to get better. But no, the little girl who's too fond of matches just drills home this utter hopelessness. It's bleak. It's filmed in this, I mean, the, it's filmed in black and white, which can be so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the lighting and the darkness of it is so, like, astounding. It's this, like, isolated family in the Quebec countryside. But the themes just killed me. Like, I just, <laughs> there was no hope there. And I was like, I cannot see more little girls being brutalized.
0: No. Like, it's just something I have so okay. much
1: fatigue about. Yeah. And the notion that this is, like, based on a novel that is, like, read in high schools in Quebec is deeply distressing to me because so much of the story is about like people being horribly burned and incest and being kept in cages.
0: It's like dark for the sake of dark.
1: It is so bleak and so dark. Um. And the tiny ray of hope that they put in there is not enough to redeem oh, the story to me. Anyway, so that's one. And I, I almost felt sick like watching it. I don't doubt it. At the light box. And I, like, I wanted to walk out, but I, I couldn't you do dark.
0: it. You got I'm in it. You've got you to stay in it, you know? <laughs>
1: um, you know, and on top of that, like, I would say 2001. Space Odyssey? Wow! I know, I know. People are always is, like, like, I guess. I mean,
0: we're, we're, it's kind of funny. We, we, are, we are fast-forwarding to your inevitable return to this show, where that is one of the questions <laughs> I ask people is, what's a film that everybody else loves that you don't? Um, I've like lost friends over that. Yes. I am I'm but I do, sure. But, but I, the thing is, that it, as, as I've got older and hopefully wiser, I, I also do get it. I love that film, but I understand just how opaque it is at times, how it just seems to be so full of itself. Deliberately. You know? Um, yeah.
1: So I, I, it's funny because I, I really tried with it. I feel <laughs> like it's like, so my mom has this habit where she really wants to understand why people love Ulysses. Okay. She keeps buying it. So she probably has like bought and given away or like trashed like 12 different copies of Ulysses because she keeps trying to understand why people are in love with this I book. I want to
0: hang out with your family. Right? i got to be honest, you know?
1: <laughs> but that's like me with 2001 where like I first saw it and I was like, what? I don't... I don't see why people are obsessed with this. I tried again, and the only word that came to mind when I finished watching it was masturbatory.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd go with that one, but okay, sure.
1: Because, you know, there's like 20 minutes of these, like, neanderthal man's like smacking sticks around oh that's
0: not where i thought you were going with that i thought you're uh, where, where it does get masturbatory for me is the um the stargate sequence at the end yeah. where it's all the colors like i'm like i think i need a few more drugs yeah. for this part to really honestly though like play. <sighs> the monkeys i'm actually okay with the monkeys over time have actually become more succinct <laughs> I, it's weird i know the first the first time i watched it that was a test and yeah. every time I, I talked to somebody who's watching it for the first time i was like Give the monkeys a minute. Like they're they're going to stick around for a Give while. Give the
1: monkeys a minute. It's,
0: it's the weirdest thing because you're like, okay, space, let's go. And they're hanging out with apes for a, like 20 minutes. But a really long time. Yeah, and yeah. It,
1: it, you're like, this can't go anywhere good. And it doesn't <laughs> really. <laughs> and then you sort of fast forward to this like lonely space experience. Yeah, and yeah. and it's just, it has no answers for you. It has It has, it has nothing yeah. that gives you any shred of like foundation to hang on to. I love the ideas. I love the aesthetic. This notion of like, yeah, there's a higher power and you're never going to understand it mm-hmm. is like really cool in some ways, but there's like
0: the execution of it is doing nothing for you. No. Actually, the execution of it is probably doing something for you. Yeah. It's just the the way that the two are are married isn't doing
1: it for yeah, you. Yeah, I just I want a little bit more in a narrative. Sure.
0: Sure. Yeah, no. That's, that's,
1: that's just me. Yeah, no,
0: that's that's that is not <laughs> uh, that is not asking too much, I don't think. What is a classic or essential that you have not seen?
1: I was thinking about this. There's a lot, actually. I mean, of course there is. No one can watch everything. Uh, But Nightmare on Elm Street, I've never seen. Oh, wow. Part of this is because I feel like I'm coming into horror a little late. That was me. Yeah. I grew up with a lot of feelings. I was always really sensitive. So horror... Also me. ...would super (laughs) affect me. And I'm very visual. So every time I would see something deeply distressing, it would just be, like, burned into my memory. Oh,
0: okay, okay. See, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm more cerebral, so closing my eyes wasn't helping, right? <laughs> like, I would, I would have to, like, close my eyes and cover my ears. Right, you're very somebody, imaginative. And have somebody, yeah. yeah, and have somebody tap me on the shoulder. There have been, like, theme park rides that yeah. have messed me up, and I tried, like, doing this. I was like, nope, that's not helping. Um, Nightmare, yeah. And so, yeah, so I was like that with, with a lot of horror.
1: 'Cause I saw Alien really early. Okay. I was eight. It wow. was on TV. You know, when, Me too. when City TV was like, yeah, yeah. It. on we City probably TV. I saw Me the too. exact same yeah. showing of it. Yeah. <laughs> and that image of the, you know, the alien's teeth dripping and yeah. just coming close to Ripley was like embedded in my psyche. Mm-hmm. Or even just like um, Jason walking down the street in the hockey mask. You know,
0: I've only ever seen the first Nightmare on Elm. I've only like the one where they're at the camp, and like, and it's and it's Jason's mom. Spoilers for Nightmare for for Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, Um, Nightmare on Elm Street though. It's um, it's it's crazy because that first one is like not like the others at all it becomes a product of the 80s very quickly where everything had to be just more, more, more. Mm. Like, the action movies had to have more explosions and the stars had had more muscles. Right, and yeah. Where it came to, you know, the body count had to be higher. Sequelitis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that first one is... It's much more of that classic boogeyman story. I appreciate and,
1: that though, too. Yeah,
0: me too. And I mean and and it plays much more on nightmares.
1: I mean, I've seen the Buffy episode where they play on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I
1: feel like I've seen it.
0: Probably. And I mean <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah, like your your grown-up self will probably take much more from it than your your teenage no, self exactly. would. Yeah. Um yeah, I I'd, I'd recommend that. And yeah, I, I did, as somebody who who got to horror late um, cuz I didn't get into it until I was like 30 something yeah I I was like a really big scaredy cat uh growing up I'd say give it a shot kind of like you know get yourself in your comfort zone and you know if you have to turn it off um if if you're just kind of getting all into it all like like home viewing really helps it's when I'm when I'm in a theater it's really intense of course like even like something like what we're going to talk about today yeah that's it that's it um no that's a good one Nightmare on Elm Street as an unseen classic or essential Um, Okay, moving on. What is a film that for any reason you wish you had made?
1: Um, I hope I'm saying this right, but uh, Vera Chutilova's Daisies?
0: Okay, now you gotta tell me about this movie because I like, know nothing
1: of it. It's a sixties Czech New Wave film. Um, and it's now you're just
0: making up genres.
1: No 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 no. <laughs> the Czech New Wave. There's a Criterion <laughs> collection. Please check it out. It's called Pearls of the Czech New Wave. Anyway, the film Daisies is, you know, this sort of feminist film classic. And it's a story of these two young women named Maria. And they sort of just go on this like fun little spree in the spring where they like go on dates with men and act as silly and as daring and as brazen as they want to. So they like convince these men to buy them dinner, they sort of tromp around, they make jokes, they get bored, they, and then it sort of culminates in this exquisite scene in this dining hall that's set up, I think, for a wedding. And they just go ape. Okay. in the room like they literally swing from the chandeliers they stick their feet through all the cakes they just feast and dance it's just it's just a beautiful experience
0: this movie looks amazing it while is I've so been amazing. listening to you yeah. like like <laughs> exposing about that movie I've been looking at like I've just been looking at like Google image and if you've never heard of a uh, Vera Chitova? Yeah. If you've never heard of her film *Daisies*, like just drop it into Google Image, people. It's beautiful. And uh, yeah. and see what comes up. Why that one?
1: For all well, these I mean, reasons. For all yeah, yeah. So it's so <laughs> for lovely. For everything to watch. you just said while I was it, looking at Google Image. It is just so <laughs> joyful. Right. And it's this celebration of young women and their creativity and the fun that they can have in society and just being without rules, without expectations, just sort of slamming all that to the side and being themselves and being friends and
0: that's a great answer yeah uh, before we move on i do actually want to kind of steer know your enemy into uh, lola's um passion project because i don't know how many people know about it and I'm, I'm happy to get you here to talk about it so you your your site is art of the title mm-hmm. which is dedicated to the title sequence of a movie the opening credits or the closing credits and how they are employed so i guess my first question is how did you get that up and running and think this is something that would be you know worthy of exploration
1: Well, it was started by Ian Albinson, who was the founder. He's from Vermont, and he started it in, you know, I want to say like 2008 as a small blog. Right. And it was just sort of him like collecting these things because he thought they were interesting and wanted to talk about them. And so we all sort of met, um, me and Ian met on this message board that we're all a part of and that Will also joined and in like 2010, he sort of was thinking about, you know, maybe I should go bigger with this thing. It's, it's fun. People seem to really dig it. So it would be nice to sort of see who's interested. So Will and I, you know, sort of joined in and we're like, we really want to write. Because I'm a graphic designer by trade, but I also can write. Like I did an English degree and I wanted to do more writing. And so I was like, yeah, I'll join. I would love to do more writing. And Will's a writer and the three of us just ended up working really well together, mm-hmm. um, and so are
0: you all just like do you all have an art background?
1: So Ian is a sort of a motion designer and okay. a graphic designer. Will is a writer and PR person by trade, and I'm a graphic designer and a writer, so it's kind of this like marriage of all those interests. Yeah, yeah, um, and I've always been obsessed with film and TV since I was a kid. I I pretty much learned English from watching television, you know, so like that's, you know, it's all this like marriage of all these interests. In 2012, we thought we need to redesign because we're developing so much content and we want to be like a glossy, elegant looking web page. So we redesigned with this great outfit uh, called Cactus Lab from New Zealand, actually the creators of Letterboxd. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So... If you notice that there's some links or like aesthetic similarities between Letterboxd and Art of the Title, it's because the team that makes Letterbox is also our team mm-hmm. that, you know, creates our back end. Um so yeah, we redesigned in twenty twelve and the site sort of just took off from there because I think because it looks so good, people mm-hmm. could then trust it as this news source sort of. I also
0: think because you all had Really stoked up the passion for one piece of of film and a piece that has um, kind of this quiet appreciation. I like you. I I consider your site in the same vein as I consider a documentary like Helvetica. Right. You know, it's 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 an element of design that a lot of people don't notice, but a lot of people kind of do latch on to, yeah. and, and, want, and, and they're very passionate, and there's lots of little minutiae that, that makes the difference, right?
1: Well, that's the thing. It's fundamentally important. It's the, the first reel, it's act one. It's, mm-hmm. it's the thing that primes you to receive this entire new world of information. So if you start off on the wrong foot, you know, you've changed the entire trajectory. Is there
0: an automatic bristling if a film starts out with no, with no credit sequence?
1: No, not at all. But because it
0: does, does it get points if it starts with a good one?
1: It depends on how it works, because okay. that's how design works, right. right? And so like sometimes the best design is no design, because mm. you have to understand your project. Right. So some films, especially when it comes to something like documentary, where artifice can detract from the right. message. Right, okay. right, okay. So something like that, you don't want to take away. You don't want to insert this like aesthetic voice. But if so much of your film is about the aesthetics and the setting up this stage, you can use a title sequence for that.
0: Is there any... Um Is there any point, like, uh, your own personal take as to whether the credit sequence happens at the beginning of the film or the end?
1: Um, I like it at the beginning because it sort of lets you ease into it, um...
0: The now, reason why, it's not
1: always narratively useful, though. Right.
0: The reason why I ask is because um, f- a friend of the show and frequent guest on the show, Kurt Happier, it always says, why has a studio paid this much money and put this much time into something so beautiful that's going to play to people's backs as they walk out of the theater? Mm. So that, that I guess that's why I ask. Because I know, like, Marvel, for instance, is yeah. doing that. Well, Marvel, a lot.
1: But Marvel does it because what they often are doing is it's, that's a franchise. Yes. Right? So... You can't look at it as one Marvel movie. No. You look at it as one episode of an entire franchise that it, they're all speaking to each other. Right. So that's part of the Marvel brand. And they always have these stingers. They have these post-credit sequences, right?
0: The one that I really love is uh, Civil War. Yeah. Civil War has an end title sequence where they have these little things in play and the way their shadows are cast uh, represents the, the name that's on there yeah. so you know so and, they, and, and it's it's really elegant it's really clever but it's played in between the the end cut to black and those stingers coming exactly. in exactly which i mean you yeah. know it's marvel so people are sitting around anyway but
1: well that's designed by Sarovsky, which is a chicago based of course you know studio. who they
0: are right yeah <laughs> they're
1: wonderful um so that's Swarovski out of Chicago, and they've done a lot of the more recent Marvel films. They've done like Guardians of the Galaxy and um, things like that. But part of the reason we like, have those sequences is that Marvel movies often start like, right into the action. Mm-hmm. And Marvel movies are generally very fast-paced. You know, there's a lot going on. There's a giant epic battle scenes. So you need a come down. Right. You need this emotional moment to sort of get your bearings after everything has already taken place. Mm -hmm. And sort of have a moment to reflect and take a deep breath. And and it's also this moment of, you know, like, kudos to their enormous teams that work on these movies. It's a curtain call. Yeah, it's a curtain call, but it's it's also just like you get a moment to actually be invited into the credits. And because they have these post-credits scenes that sort of, you know, egg you into the next movie, it it's part of that whole world, that whole notion of like keeping you involved. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think I asked you before is is Saul Bass's birthday like a national holiday or the, <laughs> the <laughs> title. It like,
1: is something... Do you guys like
0: go out and get screaming drunk? No. i
1: um, I tend to sort of I mean, I appreciate a lot of Saul Bass's work and I, I feel like it's it's, you know, it's indispensable. You need to understand it if you're going to be a graphic designer of any kind. If you're a, a film lover of any kind, it's all important to know. But I I'm um, always hesitant to sort of push forward this notion of this male genius, this like king of any sort of domain, especially because Saul Bass is not a lone genius and no one is a lone genius, Yeah, you know, like they call him the godfather of title design, but like he had a partner for more than 40 years that was his like close collaborator Mm -hmm. and no one knows about her, Elaine Bass. Right. And so like they work together on so many of his later sequences when people you know talk about a Sal Bass revival. It's a Saul and Elaine revival. Right. You know, Scorsese got Saul and Elaine. They're mm-hmm. in the credits together. Mm-hmm. So even Quentin Tarantino, you know, when talking about his Saul Bass's work corrects himself. He's like he's like, I can't, you know, work with somebody like Sal Bass, you know, I can't do what Scorsese did. Actually I should say Saul and Elaine, you know right. because that's what you have to do.
0: I like that's, I like that It's, you know The the approach of there is a Titan within a realm, but the the conversation doesn't end with the Titan. So
1: we do celebrate him. Yeah. I I think he's incredible. I I love learning more about him. His short films are incredible. His feature film, Mm -hmm. also incredible if you've never seen it. What is it? It's this... uh,
0: I have never made more notes in one show. Phase four?
1: He made this incredible movie um, about these scientists isolated in the desert... Sold. Who are studying ants who have taken over the world. (laughs)
0: Definitely (laughs) sold. Okay. Um, And last question before we move on. I think I asked you this before, but I'm going to put you on your spot. Uh, What are some of your favorite title
1: sequences? This will change every time you ask me. Of course it will. Um, I really enjoy this sequence for Auntie Mame, the original Auntie Mame with Rosalind Russell. Okay. It was... um, it's, It's all... And I make this ridiculous joke, uh, Art of the Title Sequins.
0: Right. Because
1: it's sequins and gems in stop motion. It's clever. In this incredibly beautiful kaleidoscopic sequence. Uh, all the lettering is hand done on glass. It's just a classic kind of, you know, romantic okay. sequence from the 50s. Right. Yeah. So that's one. Nice. Um, I love the animated sequences from the 80s for all the comedies. Uh, a lot of the ones that Sally Cruikshank designed for movies like Ruthless People and Madhouse. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. And they're just like this really interesting, bright, anthropomorphic characters.
0: Didn't Mannequin have one? Yes. Yeah.
1: Mannequin's a great one. Uh,
0: yeah, I remember that. With now.
1: this, like, um, Egyptian woman trying to travel through time yeah. with elevators and
0: <laughs> pigs. And it's just
1: this crazy cartoon. Um, so I love I love those because we don't have those anymore, no, these no, cartoon no, sequences. No, not,
0: not even close. The two that I, I usually use as my knee-jerk answer is, um, in a classic sense, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah. um, which I'm sure is a, a textbook answer, of yeah. course. Um, but more, the, I say more recently, but it's still a t- 18 year old movie or so. Um, the the t- um, Panic Room mm-hmm. that had the the titles Venture. over, yeah, that yeah. had over that that had them over in New York City and yeah. you like
1: too. a slow, elegant. Primer. I do. Yeah. I,
0: I absolutely do. I you know I like get get interesting in how you in how you work it, but I I love that kind of that kind oh, yeah. of approach to and it. And Panic
1: Room, I I love like revisiting because as like a as a home invasion thriller, as, like, this primer for this intellectual, psychological sort of story. It's great. Mm -hmm. It it takes you into New York City as this, like, terrifying, malevolent force.
0: Mm -hmm. At a time, I mean the New York City from those credits no longer exists yeah so, it's a portrait
1: of a different city yeah
0: um, but it's, oh. it's
1: one of the few si- sequences also that begins with copperplate gothic yeah like American Psycho
0: yeah oh, man. <laughs> we, we could have a whole I, seriously we could have a whole other show and I really want to if, if Art of the title is ever looking for a podcast host for the love of God I'm like I will totally do that um, but we have a movie to discuss a yeah. really good movie to discuss so we're gonna get into our new slang for this episode A Quiet Place which both Lola and I would probably agree. You should just go into cold. If you don't, yeah, don't even you, watch a trailer. Yeah, I was gonna say if you haven't seen anything about it, just please go see it. Know that it's a little creepy. It's actually not too scary.
1: I mean, it's, it's a horror. Yeah, it, uh,
0: yeah. I'd say it's a thriller, but still. Go in knowing as little as possible. Um, We are going to talk about it as a complete work, which is not to say we're going to spoil every last little thing, but we are going to spoil some stuff. So please go see it and come back and listen to us after. Um, Or, you know, if you're feeling, uh, feeling daredevil, come on back after this. The new slang for episode 197 is A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place was written and directed by John Krasinski, co-written by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. It stars Krasinski, Emily Blunt, uh, Millicent Simmons, and Noah Jupe. At some point in the future, our world came under attack by creatures. We're not sure what they are or what they want, but we know one thing. If they don't hear you, they will leave you alone. Of course, that's easier said than done. Into this situation we meet the Abbott family parents Lee and Evelyn, that's Joan and Emily, they are parents to three children, one of whom is deaf, which makes things for her both better and worse. But as this film begins, they have a close encounter with one of these creatures, and it sends the whole family dynamic for a spin. From there, it comes down to survival, while Evelyn carries the family's fourth baby to term, and Lee desperately seeks answers for how to fend off the would-be invaders. Through it all, there remains one constant. Don't make a sound. This film would not really have come to my attention, as I mentioned in the intro to this show, if it wasn't for you. And there have been many various different films that I have petitioned you to see if you want to come in and talk about. Yeah. Everything from Annihilation to the Beguiled to Train Spotting 2. And when, you know, you finally like took the reins to <laughs> to lead, you know, your 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 triumphant appearance on this show. <laughs> you're like, what about a quiet place? And I'm thinking in my head, what? And I looked it up. Well, this and, was
1: months ago, too. Which was
0: months ago, yeah. yeah before, like, you know, we're, this conversation was happening in, like, January <laughs> about a movie that was coming out in April. And I, when I dug into it, I was like, absolutely. So while I normally get into something thematic and esoteric and sometimes try and be clever, when I ask a person off the top of the review a pop quiz, I'm just going to keep it simple. Pop quiz, Hotshot. Uh, what drew you into this film in the first place?
1: Well, I initially pitched it to a local editor, because one i 'm just really interested in horror okay. lately, like I love reviewing it, love thinking about it, um, but also because of the climate that we 're in, silence breakers right, I was thinking about what it means to be silent and silence as survival, and I thought there's an interesting play there between what 's going on in our society, where women generally survive by staying silent. Mm-hmm. And this movie and its themes and how hostile the world can seem when you're trying to live it and make, make your mark, make a sound. So I had pitched it sort of in that, in that context, that idea of like, you know, is there, is there something there that can be sort of examined and sort of... Um, the review didn't end up happening, Right. but I was still happy to sort of think about it and sort of go into the, the film and think about its themes and stuff like that, so...
0: That is. That's why
1: I jumped on it early. <laughs> uh,
0: that, I mean, like that. That's certainly an, an amazing take on it. I think the one thing that I latched on to immediately when I looked at what it was about and and kind of getting the the, the nuts and bolts of how it was going to work. Now, I got to be honest. I did not think it was going to be as quiet a movie as it is. Oh my! That's and, like, and we will talk about that so in a quiet. second. Um, but I, I think I got into it in terms of people are afraid of quiet. Um
1: it's uncomfortable. You know,
0: it's it's like everything down from not having a distraction. Mm. You know, like not ha- like not having a visual distraction or not having mental stimulus and just being left alone with your own thoughts. Yep. Um I I I really feel like people are are also afraid of quiet. That if you're at home and you're working or you're at home and you're reading or something or you're at home and you're cleaning, you have to have the TV on or you have to have you know your music playing or something because if it's just you moving around in a quiet place uh that gets really really intense well now you
1: hit on this existential quandary right where it's like are they afraid of quiet or are they afraid of themselves
0: Ooh, (laughs) who knows (laughs) um but that's
1: part of it right where you have to sort of you have to examine the world and your place in it
0: Mm -hmm. now so obviously you dug this movie
1: I really enjoyed it. Okay. And as a movie-going experience, so much fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if your theater was like mine, but my God, you could hear a pin drop.
1: (laughs) Yes, you could hear like nobody was moving no there were no throats being cleared no there was not a cough there was nary a noise in the entire theater and then um one of my friends that I'd gone with had brought these candies along (laughs) and and my my partner sitting next to me was like munching a gummy bear or something and at this one moment probably like five minutes in I just turned to him was like no. Yeah. Because <laughs> no. I could hear his mouth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I was sitting, and I, I I sit down really low too. So like, I sit in that front row before the before the aisle. Oh yeah. And I had a frozen yogurt, and I was like scraping the bottom. No, no. no, no. no I was like, no. okay, I gotta stop this. You are the enemy. I, I I you know I I did like three, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. I can't do this.
1: But that was incredible because yeah. the first five minutes are so silent, and it just drops you right into their world. Yeah. You become part of their family. You feel like if you make a sound, you're a threat to them.
0: The weirdest thing, I think, for both of us is everybody who gathered just respected the rules. Like, we all understood what we were in. I mean, there, there's no way that this is going to happen every time. No. No way. Like, there are going to no. be some people who go to see this and it's going to get loud really quick. Oh, yeah. But for your screening and my screening, everybody just respected, all right, shut up.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which is, it's strange But to it, see... it speaks
1: to how well that they developed the first few minutes of the film.
0: This is true, but I mean, it, it, like, it's it's amazing just kind of how you can get. We're all very in our own little um, entitled realms, right? Like, I know that light is red, but I got I'm running late. I got to jaywalk. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's it's that kind of world now, right? Regardless of age or anything like that, it's just my time is precious. So it's weird that. A movie can come along and make everybody respect the social contract, right? Again, like that. Yeah, Um, yeah, obviously we're both. um, I
1: admire that a lot.
0: Yeah, obviously we're both really big fans um, of this movie, and certainly of going to see this movie. Um, In unfortunately, in the ads for this movie, the opening is revealed, which I think is like
1: I don't like the unbelievably
0: unfortunate because that opening is shocking. Mm. In like both in terms of the. Dread in that pharmacy. Yeah. Like when you see them walking in, in bare feet.
1: Okay. But one of the like trappings, you know, of horror and this, I think we know you have to have in the first act, something that tells you the magnitude of the threat. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately that usually means a sacrifice, Mm -hmm. right? And so you like, I knew something was coming where I was like, okay, we need to determine the level of this threat and how vicious it is. Mm -hmm. And someone has to be the, the sacrificial lamb for this, Right. So that's the only way we understand the brutality of what they're up against. Right.
0: Oh, and, and, oh no, and, and that's all, all understood and agreed. I just wish the, the marketers of this film had oh, yeah. tipped that off quite that much.
1: I, I just wish, too, that they had, you know, sort of advertised it more like, you know, like something like Jaws, they would, where it's like, don't even show me the monster. Don't yeah. show me any, any part of it.
0: Yeah, um, which is weird because I actually like the creature design.
1: I thought it was really interesting.
0: Because it's getting tougher and tougher to design interesting creatures.
1: I think, yeah, in the wake of things like Alien and Stranger Things, it's, it's so interesting. It's so fascinating to me. Sometimes you see different angles of them. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's what their backs look like? They're almost a little humanoid at the top there. hmm their right. heads
0: kind of come apart in panels. My
1: friend likened it to one of those IKEA lamps that you pull the thing; <laughs> it, it sort of the panels. Oh, extend. see now, that's all I'm going to see. <laughs> no, I'm sorry.
0: Um, but but yeah, you know, you're you're right. It follows the formula that in Act One we need to throw somebody overboard. But I, I still, um, I think because I hadn't seen anything, I knew something was going to go sideways yeah. once they get out onto that bridge. Um, but coming off that. You you get an idea of the stakes when they're in that pharmacy and they're walking around barefoot and like she's making sure that nothing hits the ground and she's taking bottles of pills off the shelf and making sure that the pills don't rattle. Yeah, this movie does an amazing job of setting up just how quiet you have to be mm. to to so so that obviously. And the out.
1: children are incredible. All the child oh, yeah. actors. Oh my god, are just incredible. Yeah, I I had so much admiration for them.
0: Yeah, do you do you find yourself drawn to movies like this that use silence and sound to this extent because this movie uses it amazingly
1: i do and i'm i don't know what it is i feel like lately i've been really sort of exploring this idea of horror and how it uses sound um i you know i watched hush that film
0: i've still never seen hush it's
1: on netflix okay it's worth seeing okay. um it has a lot of parallels to this and it's something that i would say you know if you're interested in how horror explores sound hush is a really great one if
0: you're playing along at home take a drink ryan's making a note again <laughs>
1: Um, and yet yeah, it, it has a deaf protagonist, and uh, it's about a woman isolated in her home in the middle of the woods. So there's a lot of different parallels, and there's this predator that she has to, you know, survive around her home.
0: Do you ever worry that it becomes a gimmick?
1: I wonder about that. Um, I think, you know, one of the ways to approach this respectfully is something that, you know, a Quiet Place does is they actually cast a deaf Mm, you know, that's true. so in I think that's the one of the better ways to approach something like this It's obviously a huge portion of this story. Not the story doesn't work without that character So, you know, she is the she's the crux of the story and
0: she's great, too.
1: She's wonderful. Yeah um, She's previously I think in that film wonderstruck. Oh, yeah um, So yeah. I found myself
0: distracted because she reminded me a lot of, um, of a fellow blogger that I know in New Zealand like younger than, than the the woman that I know in New Zealand. But I'm like, Stevie Taylor, did you get cast in this movie? Um, because she, there's, a, there's yeah. a striking similarity. But yeah, every time she puts a lot on her face, she puts a lot in her body. They um, all do. Uh, I mean,
1: you have to in the absence yeah, of sound. Yeah, I yeah. mean... So it becomes a very gestural language.
0: Yeah, and and uses, like not like a gimmick, uses sign language quite a bit, and sometimes even just uses... Um, gesture, like, I mean, when they're, when they're saying grace, mm-hmm. I thought that was really beautiful in that it's like, okay, we're, we're just going to hold hands.
1: Everyone's grace is personal.
0: And you know what? I hadn't thought about that before, to yeah. be honest, because I, you know, I grew up Catholic and I was taught the specific grace before meals. And I, you know, growing up, I've heard other little versions and poetic versions and that kind of thing. But I never thought that you're right. It's, it's exactly like that. Everyone's grace um, is their own. Yeah. And so just, yeah, just the holding of hands and the bowing of heads. Um, is this beautiful little shorthand that it's like, why isn't this used more often?
1: And that's one thing I appreciate about the film, because um, a lot of times it relies better on, you know, show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about any movie. You know, it's like, don't hold my hand through this process. Like, I'm going to understand where you're taking me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think it does that incredibly well, except in maybe some of the set design. Like, in his workshop, Mm -hmm. that whiteboard. Yeah. Are you kidding?
0: Yeah. You, I, I, I like, think we, we've reached peak conspiracy theory. More, who cuts you know? out
1: headlines and paste them all over <laughs> their basement? Like you see this in so many of these movies, where they've like cut out headlines and as, yeah. as, as if it's a scrapbook of. I just really want to remember the world ending. Like,
0: I mean, he's got power. Does he not have Pinterest?
1: We get it. You're trying to sort of make it extremely clear what has taken place in this world, but is it necessary to make it that obvious yeah. on the wall? I just don't see that being realistic. Yeah. What is the weakness? Yeah.
0: L- literally. Yeah. It's like we all know, but thank you for spelling that out for us. Um, it's it's crazy because. So that was a bit of tell. That was very much a bit of tell. Um, same. Like I. It's funny because that really betrays some of the lovely shorthand again. It betrays in the house. intelligence. I mean, through so the rest of the film. This is yeah. a movie that they the characters have gone to the. Um, they've gone to the length of. Painting spots on the floorboards that will not creak and it's like that's genius. Yeah, you know if that you know I I want more of that and less Headline
1: board. Yes
0: after after the the sacrifice in the opening the rest of the way Evelyn is pregnant. Yeah, and She's pretty much at that point a ticking time bomb. Yes. right like it's the second you see that bump. You're like, oh crap Um, In a movie like this or in a story like this is the is a pregnancy a contrivance
1: so, I would say no, because, yeah, I, I don't know, it's hard to say, but I, one of the things I love about this film is there's that sort of principle where he says, if in the first act you show a gun, by the third act it has to go off. And so in the beginning of the film, you know that, that the rocket is, is that. And then as soon as you see she's pregnant, the pregnancy right. is the bomb right. that you're waiting to go off. Right. And so it builds attention, tension, and that's part of it. Um, I don't know if it's a Contravents, but um, I mean, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think,
0: I think they handled it well. And I mean, shit, you learn a lot about Evelyn, learning that she can go through it with no drugs and no noise. Um, that's uh,
1: to me, that was one of the most compelling scenes that um, through this whole film is. You kind of feel like all the scenes are sort of like throwaway. Like the pacing is pretty quick, and then as soon as she begins to go through labor. Mm-hmm. There's so much focus on her and her breathing and her slow, measured movements. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly tense. Mm-hmm. I feel like nobody could breathe yeah. in the theater. Talking about it afterward, like I feel like it traumatized everybody. The scene, and because you were you feel so intimate with her. Every movement she makes with her body is is exquisite and painful. And
0: it's one of those <sighs> I've, I've said before you're somewhere where you're not supposed to be. Yeah. You know, like you, in in any in any woman's world, the birthing room is somewhere where it's like doctors and one person. Mm. Usually maybe like two people. You know, we are not supposed to be there. Yeah. So seeing that under great duress And being reminded, I mean, shit, being reminded that for hundreds and hundreds of years, that's how it was.
1: Yeah, but the empathy that you feel for her character is through the roof. Oh, yeah. Like, it's through the roof. Yeah. The only thing you care about is her being quiet and surviving in these moments on Earth. Like, there's nothing else exists to you while you're watching this scene. Yeah,
0: leading to this wonderful payoff of the... Kitchen timer going off, the rockets exploding, the alien running off, and her screaming. Like, yes. This one moment Just of cacophony yeah. <laughs>
1: after
0: all this silence. Um, okay, so we're... But one all...
1: thing I will say is, and this is a huge pet peeve of Please, mine, yeah. is the sanitization of birth. Yeah. So it's like, where's her placenta? Yeah. You know they would have eaten that. Mm. Like,
0: <laughs> this yeah. is a
1: world, you know, beyond access to protein. Yeah. So it's like how did she do any of this? How did that baby come out okay? How did she cut the cord?
0: I mean, yeah, we're in it. Like, keep us in it, right? Let's get messy. You know, we're all grown-ups here. Yeah. Let's let's really do this. And,
1: like, you know, once you start to sort of ask those questions, there's hundreds more you want to know about. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's part of it is, like, after I saw it with my friends, we all had a thousand questions, you know? like, Like what? How do they go to the bathroom? Yeah. What if they have a bad digestive day? Oh, man. You know, like... You can't control your butt. How do people poop? Yeah. All we ever want when we're pooping is not a quiet place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it, or like, you know, things like that are, um, you know, just, is this a world where no one ever gets to eat potato chips? That, to me, is a very sad world. It's an
0: incredibly sad world, but I think I think that is this world. Um we're f- just like,
1: why wouldn't they live near the waterfall? We had so many yeah, questions. Yeah, just move.
0: Yeah, just get close. Yeah.
1: Give birth at the waterfall.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I mean, you know, the, 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 the moron in me wants to say it surprised her. I, I, I want to believe that that was always their plan. Yeah. I, I want to believe. It did, it
1: did. She was early.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, she was. She certainly wasn't expecting. Oh, and they, they have, you know, another little thing that they underline. Like, they've got the calendar with her due date. And she's, like, marking it off. And we know that she's at least, she's got at least, like, two weeks left. Yeah. Which, you know, and how do they have sex? Very quietly, Lola. <laughs> I mean, I, that's that's all I'm gonna go with there. It's like, well, my
1: thinking is I, It's
0: not my preference. My but,
1: my thinking is this is I surmise that uh, you know when it rains, yeah,
0: oh, okay, they yeah. can have a
1: little party. I was gonna
0: say yeah, when if there's when, a
1: thunderstorm.
0: The, the, yeah, it's they're they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> clearly they are not dirty talkers. Um, Emily Blunt and Emily Krasinski are at the forefront of this movie, and I actually can't think of two actors working right now who are really gifted at expression Mm. um i mean shit krasinski made his whole career on being able to look at the camera exasperated oh
1: yeah his face yeah is is his is his hallmark
0: yeah um you like you dig him or is he just kind of you over him or he worked in this movie
1: john krasinski is wonderful and so likable and so warm Mm -hmm. and i think you can really feel how much he believes in this story While while you're watching it, you can feel how important it is to him to be a dad, Mm. how much that has meant to him in his life. I mean, maybe I'm like wanting to see this. Maybe I'm romanticizing the notion of like his celebrity image. Um, But the feelings between him and his wife, like his real life wife, Emily Blunt, are like palpable somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, the scene in the basement where they play the music and have a little dance.
0: That was beautiful. It's
1: really lovely. Um, And so I feel like he's incredibly successful, and I think part of what he understood about himself is that he's a very physical actor. Mm -hmm. And so a role like this is is really great for him to sort of make a bridge between his past as a comedic physical actor and a a potential future where he has a sort of more, a larger range that he can deliver on. Both of them... This is his Truman Show.
0: It is, and it's 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 crazy because both of them, their eyes are really big. Mm. Um, Like I kind of, I kind of, I I wonder what their children are going to look like, really, actually. But both of them always seem to wear it on their face. Krasinski also kind of tends to wear it in his shoulders a lot too. Um, And there's a really bad movie that has a really good scene. Um, from a few years ago. Uh, there was a movie that Cameron Crowe did called Aloha. Mm-hmm. Um, that's terrible. But for the love of God, do not see it. Do not make a note. Is
1: that the Emma Stone one? That is
0: the Emma Stone one. Where she... Yep, yep. That's <laughs> the one. Yeah, where she tries to play Polynesian. Yes. Um, which is a whole other conversation. But there's a great scene where he and Bradley Cooper are in a kitchen and they have a conversation and it's all subtitled. Neither one of them says anything. Mm. But they're exchanging looks and there's these subtitles underneath them about what they're actually trying to say. And it's actually amazing. Mm. Because it pays off, because he can sell it and Cooper, I guess, kind of like draws from him and he sells it. Um, it's it's crazy because you don't think of these little like side-eye yeah. looks yeah. As, being able, as being actual acting, but he kind of really has perfected it.
1: And yeah, and that's... What I what I thought was really interesting about that scene in the beginning, where they're in the pharmacy, and you know he takes the batteries out of the rocket, he sets it down, but then before he leaves, he glances at his daughter and glances at the rocket, and then he leaves. Mm-hmm. And I felt in the moment like he almost gave her permission.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So there's, and that's I think the strength of an actor like him, where he can do a lot with his gaze, mm-hmm. and it's a strength of the editing that they put that together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think a lot of actors can do that.
0: No. It was actually one of the things that kind of started taking me out of this movie. There's a lot of moments where one of the characters puts their fingers to their lips in a shush.
1: It was almost too many moments.
0: It was it was far too many moments. And it's it, it's one of those things that I think is a negative because
1: yeah, like, we know, they, they know, and they
0: know, they and, know. and it, it, makes a, it makes a lovely image one time. Yeah. But there's there's a few too many of them.
1: I get it in terms of when he's speaking to his daughter, um, because she will not know... Yeah. When they're around. Yeah. If necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yes. I
0: just, I, I guess if I'm thinking about it, he could have done it another way. Like he could have held out a hand or yeah. they could have had, you know, they've got shorthand for everything else. Um, this, yes. and you know, it's an audio medium, so people can't see that I'm bringing my finger to my lips again. Oh yeah, right. It's, um, <laughs> we have to describe this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I guess the mm-hmm. last place I want to go with this is it's really a deep meditation on parenting yes and protection and and this
1: notion that once you have a child the entire world seems hostile to them yeah then you have to protect them yeah and so it takes that and makes it literal and large
0: well it's funny because another little moment that took me out of the movie is in in a moment where they do have some protect where they've got some security they actually bring up uh they they have a conversation out loud and say who are we if we can't take care of them who are we as parents if we can't take care of our children and there's a small irony in that they are having this conversation while their children are not there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, that, that was one of those moments where it's like, this would have been good like four or five scenes ago, mm-hmm. but your children aren't around. Yeah. That, that was my little, that was my potato chip moment. Yeah. Um, but that's
1: that's why they're having that conversation because she's like, she's it, essentially, I felt in that moment, she was giving him permission to put their, life, their lives above his. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that the scenes that follow wouldn't have happened without that one scene. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that, like, if this was a real moment, like, she would be raging with hormones. Oh, God, yeah. Like, given like she's, the situation. She's got it
0: really together for somebody who's nine months pregnant.
1: But I feel like if you if you take that conversation in the context of, like, she is a new mother, like, again, mm-hmm. and in that moment she has just given birth to this tiny precious thing, and all she can think about is protecting... These children, and so in that moment, yeah, she's going to say like she's kind of giving him permission, you know, to be like the kids are the thing that has to survive.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that, that is true. It's it, it's something that needs to be said in that moment of go. Yeah, I know you want to be here with me right now yeah. and with our child right now, like our baby right now, but you, you, there's bigger fish to fry. You got to go. So yeah, no, that, that's that's true in that respect.
1: But it's funny because it leads to that moment, which I have now deemed the Jurassic Park moment. Which would be two kids in the car with a monster. Ah,
0: yes, yes.
1: And there's the man, Ian. No, and he's... well, yeah, and
0: I mean, you know, we talked earlier about um, you know how they they get to have conversations. I think the thing for me that I wish, if I was to if I was to edit this script, um, because you're right, that moment is very much Jurassic Park again. Um, he screams to get to get the the aliens' attention. I would have given my right arm for that scream to be the only bit of dialogue. Yes. You know, I know that that might be playing on contrivance, but I I think that would have been really powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. But I think it takes, um, maybe a more confident director, which Krasinski at this point, this is like his first major Mm -hmm. feature Mm -hmm. film. Yeah. So I think what he's done here is remarkable, but certainly not perfect.
0: No, no. Um... Well, um, clearly, as I said, we we really both think that you should see this movie. If you're listening this far, we hope you've seen this movie. Maybe don't <laughs> take the popcorn with you. No, yeah, yeah, water only, please, and <laughs> uh, and silent snacks. Yeah. We end every podcast here with uh, a souvenir something tangible or intangible uh, that, if you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Um, there's not really a whole lot to pull from this there's movie, not a lot. but uh, but if you could keep a souvenir, what would you? What Can
1: would you I take? say Emily Blunt?
0: Absolutely. You know, okay. So I I am in every. Way you can think of i am a pacifist mm-hmm. but my god does emily blunt look amazing with a shotgun Fuck, absolutely <laughs> um it comes up in this movie it comes up in looper she's handling weapons like crazy. tomorrow, tomorrow. I- i'm like this woman who i was first introduced to as an admin for a fashion editor just looks like she was born to wield a shotgun it's something about her eye looking down the barrel yeah but yes Emily Blunt absolutely is I'm in love
1: with her yeah I don't blame you from that first like from that scene in Edge of Tomorrow where she's doing the yoga uh huh
0: yeah while these like things are going around around her
1: her, I have like that scene is so burned into my mind like as so powerful and beautiful and strong and just yeah and so she's incredible in this film she I feel like she's the strongest performance John Krasinski's good the kids are wonderful but the way, the way that she breathes, how mm-hmm. in tune you are with her, when she trembles in fear, yeah. every sound she makes, every move she makes is this this like graceful ballet of, of pain and feeling. and.
0: I feel better that she's the parent that survives. You know, I'm like, you'll be okay. <laughs> Spoiler. But you're, 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 you're with her. But I, does we've gone she? this far. Yeah, this is true. But does uh, she? See does anyone? anyone? Um, I think my souvenir is I, it, it, like a really basic. I want to catch a fish that way.
1: Oh, that would be nice. I feel like just holding a fish like that in your hands like in still the water would
0: be that would be very you know like very getting back to nature, very uh, yeah. living off the land. Um, yeah, you know, I, I want to
1: know more about that oven.
0: Which, uh, oh, they like yeah, they they're like how they things cook. In the, yeah,
1: I would love to know more about the logistics of yeah, this. Me too. Piece of yeah, some clients.
0: You know, I need like I need to sit down with the filmmakers and ask yeah. about this kind of stuff um that
1: meal i would lo- love great. to have give me a, a quiet place recipe book yes
0: <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yes i want to eat off banana leaves please um we rate kieran the matinee cast on a scale of one four stars lola lenikich what do you give a quiet place on a scale of one four?
1: i give it a three out of four okay i feel like it's good but not great yeah uh like so enjoyable uh will it end up being you know in the annals of history who's to say i think it's wonderful to watch
0: yeah i i am with you on that i think it's it's really good i think there are some flaws that can just be chalked up to experience but they're more than made up for an execution in yeah. a lot of and ways they're not huge no
1: the fact that we have to ask these questions about how every little thing works, I think just speaks to how compelling the world is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and as we say, like, hopefully if you do see this in the theater, I, again, I hope you have seen it in a the theater by, by this point, but if you saw it in a the theater, hopefully your theater was as quiet as ours, because yeah. wow. Um, hey, listen, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you thought that this was a complete crock. Maybe you were sold a bill of false goods and you ate it. <laughs> maybe you think that we're not being kind enough to this movie and you think it's one of the greatest things ever made. Let us know. Ryan at the matinee.ca Twitter, where I'm not underscore. Or Facebook.com slash dark What do you think of John Krasinski's A Quiet Place? We are going to come back right after this and flip the record over to play the other side with some more movies. Come on back. I up the We're back. She's Lola. I'm Ryan. It's matinee cast 197. Oh. We've been talking about A Quiet Place. And interesting as it seems, there are, of course, a lot of parallels to other movies um, that are baked into this uh, wonderful story. Where did your brain go after this? If somebody were to go home and dig into Netflix or go to their shelf or go to their library and get a hard copy, where where else uh, could somebody go for elements of Quiet
1: So I mentioned Hush, yes, which um, I think is a lot of fun. I watched it on my own at home, which was kind of a harrowing experience. Um, Because yeah, it's it's especially if you're a woman, one of your like one of one of I think a common fear that women have is like this home invasion, right? Mm. Where this is my safe place, but what if someone attacks it? Um, And so Hush, I think, is is a really interesting exploration of that, especially if you are interested in sound in horror. Okay, Uh, which I am. So it's it's and it's kind of this continuation of. Um, like the home invasion thriller, things that are explored in something like Panic Room, or uh, even something as old as like Wait Until Dark, the Audrey Hepburn mm. film where she's a that she, she plays a blind woman yeah. who is besieged by you know these predators, these invaders. Um, another uh, great one is Lady in a Cage.
0: Tell people about that, because I feel like that's a... That's James
1: Kahn's first, like, feature film Oh, yeah? It's like this, I think it's 1967, and it's a home invasion thriller, and it's about, like, this incredibly scorching hot day. This woman is home alone. She's, like, an older woman, and she has this elevator in her building, definitely a precursor to Panic Room. She gets trapped in the elevator in her building. Okay. And these thieves find out, and they come, and they rob her home while she's trapped, And all hell kind of breaks loose. And James Caan is one of these disgusting thieves with like this pantyhose over his face, just being this like perverse character. How did
0: you come across that movie the first time? Just, I
1: think because it was related to Wait Until Dark, and okay. I kind of got fascinated by these home invasion thrillers, okay. and sort of, I watched them in a series with Panic Room and stuff like that. Wow. Um, nice. Yeah.
0: Um, one of the ones that came to mind in terms of something that I really dug at the time, and I think I may even still own, um, but now in Wake of A Quiet Place feels like it's not done quite as well, is, I thought about Signs, the yes. Shinalon movie. especially
1: in terms of like a cornfield and the yeah, farmhouse. Yeah, the
0: rural isolation of... Uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a city dweller, born and born and bred, and I don't. I, I I love going out of the out of the city and getting into the country and getting into like more space and cleaner air and, and all that. But the one thing that does freak me out is the isolation of it, yeah. because you're alone for miles, yeah. right? I like
1: you don't have the passive security of this public that's nearby.
0: I don't have the passive security of a neighbor whose door I can bang on if I, you know, if somebody is dropped, you know, if if something happens, it's. Like, like you're running for miles, right?
1: It's an interesting notion, though, and it's something that, like, even in a movie like Scream, you know, where that opening is, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, she's totally isolated.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah and it, like I mean in the suburbs yeah because like, everybody's house is, like property is that much bigger
1: but I think it's such an interesting idea that we all have this notion like my neighbor can hear me if I scream bloody murder I don't know what my neighbor's name is but there's so many <laughs> times where that has happened in history and everyone's and like oh uh, the it. neighbors yeah. are at it again yeah, why yeah. do we think we're safe in the no, city I
0: I just leave me to my illusions <laughs> like, do take my security I gotta go back upstairs don't but no I, I, I agree with you completely yeah.
1: I, you know, I would never want to live in the woods um, it's so scary
0: I, you know i thought science science did very similar things with the aliens and the aliens have creatures they can't understand it what do they want and why are they here um and it's
1: one family unit trying to kind of understand this phenomenon um
0: you know i think as a big poppy movie it still works it's kind of crazy to consider a time where mel gibson was a draw these days (laughs) but um it's i think they make an interesting match set in terms of
1: um a lot of great similarities
0: like not not that a quiet place is exactly what I'd call an indie, but it's certainly like smaller, smaller. budget. Whereas Signs was a big summer movie for um, Disney, yep. and what? But that's the,
1: because it had religious connotations.
0: Well, also just what the what the approach is when you have a studio behind you and at the time an A-list star, the like capital A A-list star behind you, and a director like Shyamalan who at that time was still on a winning streak.
1: Yeah. Versus
0: when you got a. a first-time director and a small cast and a small crew and being able to do more with less like i mean even it's amazing even just that the creatures look that good oh yeah right they look um so it's not, like i mean i think signs is Sounds still
1: great parallel yeah,
0: yeah and i think it's still an interesting watch in in the history of it's like hindsight what other ones did you come across
1: obviously with? alien in terms of the actual design of the monster Mm -hmm. like those long dripping teeth and the gangly limbs and i'm sorry to cut you off
0: but can you imagine if there is life on other planets and they show up and they just look like us we are going to be so screwed up but
1: you know what i feel like it's such an interesting phenomenon that like you know there's a certain it's like who has seen an alien yeah why do we think they all look a specific way what if they show up and they look cute like marvin the martian yeah you know what if i imagine
0: they look like care bears
1: I love this notion that we think we're going to even be able to experience alien life. Like, it doesn't exist on a plane that we can't sense. Oh,
0: I like this. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. like,
1: once you get into the real, life There could be
0: one hanging out with us right now and we wouldn't know.
1: Yeah. What yeah. does it even mean to be an alien?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, some people say you're...
1: we're aliens. Like we didn't even originate on this planet. We got dropped here, and
0: you know, it's like oh, I'm to you're gonna set my head spinning <laughs> but the on thing. that.
1: You can get into all these different notions, but it is it's interesting how like it becomes this like visual trope of what we understand this notion of alien to look like, mm-hmm. and so much of that it, we have to give to like HR Giger and it all kind of boils down to him in so many ways.
0: Yeah. But you're right, the the Alien franchise turned into, like, really pivoted us from the bulbous head, big-eyed, little thing, little green man, the Marvin the Martian.
1: Or, like, the, like, giant sort of gray, faceless, like, robot-looking stuff, you know?
0: Alien was the first one to really pivot us into something terrifying something something
1: Something, lizardy like
0: like completely other fluid yeah hybrid of many different creatures and like kind of the scariest parts of all of them yeah um yeah and
1: and much more dinosaur like
0: yeah yeah bird like in in some ways like in its in its movement like 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 again the the the, the
1: clicking of mm -hmm. you know like the sort of echolocation notions immediately brings back those velociraptors yeah there's even a moment where you see like the claw of the creature on the stairwell mm-hmm. and it makes you think of like the velociraptors trying to open that door yeah like, yeah clicking. okay
0: another one that i thought of in terms of an interesting match set was a movie from last year actually called it comes at
1: night yes um, i was thinking of that as well and i recently watched that
0: which so it's funny because i feel like both of those movies sell you one thing which may not, may or may not be true. It comes at night more so than A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place actually does quite a good job of selling you exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. But It Comes at Night sold you a whole different terror. What um, I love about
1: it, it Comes at Night is that you don't understand the threat. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wish there was more of in A Quiet Place because they sort of set you up with all this like newspaper information and stuff like that in the whiteboard. And... And you see very clearly the monster, like in a lot of different angles. Mm -hmm. And then it comes at night, everything is a mystery. You're kind of left out in the woods. And that's what's so powerful about it.
0: But I mean, it's funny because I know a lot of people who hated that movie because
1: they can't stand that uncertainty. But
0: they—they they, no, they just—they—they they didn't find it scary. They didn't—they mm. didn't buy into it. I like literally when my screening ended, there was a voice in the back of my cinema that said, "What comes at night?" Yes, <laughs> um, I know. But where I, is it? Yeah, what's it? Yeah, but this is this is the who's coming? This is what I like. Like I, I like. I like the more like the more you explain to me the less interested I am yes. the more that I've got it I'm, I'm fine doing the lifting yeah you know it's it's really weird and, and yeah and you dug that movie yeah. too I, I, I don't know anybody who liked that movie
1: I think I'm a much more um, forgiving viewer in, okay. in many ways because I think I often empathize with what kind of story they're looking to tell so I try to come at it like mechanically kind of emotionally um, it takes a lot for me to hate a movie.
0: Right. I think it Unless it's ha- 2001, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Um, but I, I usually try to sort of see what they're trying to get at. So I think for something like It Comes at Night, there's a lot that I appreciate. It's, the, it's always like the child. The mm. innocent child is the wild card. Right. Right? And so there's like these elements... Damn children. You try so hard to control. You know, you lock the doors. You, you have this routine, this like um, power system, the, the the couple that's like sort of running the show. They've got their system in order, they've got their routine, they've got their structures figured out. Then there's a child. You know, you can't control them no. and he, he's going to accidentally screw stuff up, yeah. you know. There was a dog. And, you know, the dog, what can you do? It's a dog. Yeah. Shit is going to happen. Which it, I, I appreciate cuz that's like I everyone can sort of relate to that.
0: It's and it's like, what's the alternative? Like, don't bring the kids, or don't have more kids. It's it's this. It's the contradiction of a story like this, yeah. where it's like, okay, you've got to carry on and you've got to continue. How do you and, live without and that carrying sounds... on and continue yeah. means replenishing the bloodline, and it's like, okay, but you know, yeah, you're you're that's that's the danger of it, right?
1: Yeah, and it's sort of like you're a human being, so yeah. you need joy in your life, yeah. and you need and and, and without joy and like the unexpected and fun and happiness is there a point to survival yeah it's so
0: yeah no and, and stories like this i think they really they really do a good job of putting that to the forefront when it needs to be and in the margins when it doesn't need to be mm-hmm. I, I think that these kinds of movies much as people may bristle at what they ultimately get i think it does a good job do you have another one
1: um, well, Jurassic Park is, is a great little... <laughs> yeah,
0: I was going to say, you've, you've swung yeah, around to that one a few times. It's a
1: great little addition to this. You know, Jaws. Um, in Jaws, in, in Jurassic Park's case, they sort of pursue this sort of element that cannot be contained. Mm. Um, with the other stories, you know, like Alien, etc., they, they are besieged from without. Yeah. And they're like, home, their, like, little spaceship, their little farmhouse is, like, their sanctuary that this, like, invasive species comes into.
0: Yeah, it's funny, because as time is going on, I'm learning more and more about how influential Jurassic Park was as a movie. I mean, it came out... I was a teenager when it came out, and I just thought, hey, neat. Yeah. Um, but the more people I'm learning, like, that was their... That was their blockbuster movie, mm. um, and that was the one that that really kind of dropped them into the deep end and, and did a lot of storytelling for them. Well, even,
1: like, if you think about the 90s in that era, like speed jurassic park independence yeah. day yeah like it was like one after another right it was a great
0: little time for yeah. big movies i mean and you know in, in certain ways they were dumb in other ways that like i think of those three that you just mentioned jurassic park is by far the smartest um but if it
1: had been released at an earlier time like in the 70s that would have been a oh, bee, it would have been bee bee movie yeah like yeah, alien absolutely. was supposed to be a b movie
0: right yeah
1: like initially released really Scott like he thought it was gonna just be just gonna a be movie. this little thing
0: yeah, it's, it's, it, it's been... I always love that. Star like Wars was supposed to be a shitty Just a little movie. thing, yeah. Or, I mean, <laughs> you know, just as, as time goes on, I'm always fascinating to see which pieces of pop culture latch. Like, I'm closing in on 200 episodes, and when we t- did the 100th episode, there was a guest who went on for quite some time about uh, how important The Notebook was mm-hmm. in terms of her going on and seeing it. Um, I think she went on a date, and I was like... Wait, that little romantic movie from a few years ago—that was, that was
1: really powerful. I know, yeah. and that's
0: the thing. It's—it's it's like it wasn't. I wasn't of the age when it dropped. Well, think about
1: Titanic.
0: I know. Well, but that one, I was closer to the age when it dropped. <laughs> um, one more movie I, I, I thought about when I saw this, and you'll dig this because it's got a great iconic title sequence. Um, was Rosemary's Baby?
1: Yeah, I actually haven't seen
0: that movie. No. I know. Oh wow. Okay, I know. so I'm gonna. Um, I, you know, it's—it's it's not. There's not really much to spoil. Um, but the thing I love about a movie like that and a movie like this is the the marriage of horror and birth. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's just like so much damn uncertainty.
1: That's the original body horror. The,
0: I was going to say the original body horror, the original home invasion, um, and, and the, you know, just the very a notion of not completely knowing what's going on at any one given moment. Um, but that's
1: how I see a movie like Alien, right? Where it's like. Um, you grow another creature inside you, and then that creature bursts forth yeah. out of you. Yeah. And you're expecting... Screaming and yelling yeah. and looking
0: weird. And yeah. then what, you're expected and to like, <laughs> resume
1: normal life functions? Yeah. This we can't crazy. go back to before! This is a crazy thing that just happened to you and your body. It's like yeah. OG body horror. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, like, it, it's it's an incredible... It was. An, I, I want to read the book one of these days because I know it's based on a book, and I'm curious, like, what's in uh, the book.
1: But one one thing I do love about that title sequence is it's it's rather like uh, *Panic Room*, where it's just typography over the city, mm-hmm. and it sets up the idea that there's this malevolent force at play. That And it one... also works with these ideas of like femininity because it's got this um, elegant cursive typography in pop pink.
0: Yeah. So it's yeah, sort of that like... one. I mean, that one. The the thing I love about that one is the contradiction. Because yeah. you're going into, still, to this day, an incredibly disturbing story mm. without without spoiling anything for you. It just goes to some really dark yeah. places. Um, but you started off with this very, again, people can't see what I'm doing, this very loopy, yeah. very, like, you know, my handwriting is very loopy for cursive. But this makes me look like, this makes my stuff look like Scrawl. That's
1: the kind of lettering you would have on your typical conventional wedding invitation. Baby shower. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I sort of... um I made this sort of analogy I think recently where it's something like The Beguiled also features that same yeah. lettering. Yeah. And so it's sort of like this it's this idea of like these unhinged women, unleashed women, you know, and and the sort of that expectation you know they look a certain way so they should act a certain way and the story should unfold a certain way mm-hmm. But that's not how women
0: it's not how pregnancy works work. certainly not how pregnancy works it's not
1: how women no no of course not so no it's no. like it's a, a lot of those stereotypes that it plays with um
0: yeah i like i i i hold fast that rosemary's baby as a classic has has held up really really well um as a story as an execution i really look forward to when you get to see it and seeing how, how it worked for you uh, i uh, you know now that i've said all that i'm like she's gonna come back and hate it and i'm gonna be like what? i doubt it, it i don't know no i i try not i listen i really as i'm getting older i'm trying more and more not to assume that somebody would like a movie just because it's become a classic well i'll
1: tell you this um when we're talking about uh scary birth something like Species. Mm -hmm. I love okay okay (laughs) because the whole story is like this like alien arrives looking like a woman and all she wants to do is bang and give birth right that's right. like the whole that's what's scary to people yeah it's yeah. like this woman who just wants to bang, wants to bang. bang <laughs>
0: here's, here's a woman that just wants to control her own pregnancy yeah. oh my god <laughs> she wants to have a
1: say what <laughs>
0: um, no strings attached no she
1: may no. kill you but that's you know <laughs> it's neither here nor there
0: um, yeah there you know what the, the thing I love about A Quiet Place is there's a lot of movies there's a it, aside from that one Jurassic Park sequence there's a lot of movies that it draws from without being completely overt yeah and i love that people like krasinski and blunt are steeped in in their craft yeah and the, and the nuts and bolts of their craft that they could put all these kinds of things into it
1: but i love that it's like it's like a little treasure hunt especially if you are an appreciator of film and of horror film you know when you watch a movie you're like yeah here's signs here's jurassic park here's alien yeah. it's like and this association only does you favors if you if you if you make that link elegantly
0: yeah and, and, you know, or if you're like me and you've got a nice little cheat sheet of things to work on on a quiet week so I like <laughs> that um, well that is episode 197 of the matinee cast I want to thank Lola for coming by come on back on Monday April 16th for episode 198 I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about yet there's a Steven Soderbergh movie out that uh we might go back and talk about, um, I'm open to suggestions, um, and of course we're ratcheting up to the 200th episode, which I have finally locked in plans for, and I'm really excited, so uh, please come back in early June for that. Um, Lola, of course, can her work can be found at Art of the Title, which is at www.artofthetitle.com. Do you have anything coming up that you're percolating, working on, that people could look for?
1: Um, no, but I do have my own website, oh. Nice um,
0: which is your...
1: Just my personal site, which nice. I sort of quietly put up. There will be a link um, yeah. for that
0: in the show notes, along with all of the title sequences that you mentioned. I'm gonna, I'll have like oh, yeah. as so, many links as I can. Yeah. Uh, if I can find them on your site, I'll link to them there. Totally, yeah. Because um, why? Because <laughs> you know, synergy. Um, and if people want to follow you on Twitter.
1: Yeah, Lola Machine.
0: My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Pocket Cast, Your Radio, Google Play, You're Welcome, Paulo, um, Blueberry, and Apple's podcast app. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on A Quiet Place or any of the million and one movies that we've mentioned today can be left in the feedback section of this, um, sorry, in the comment section of the site. You can email Ryan at thematinee.ca, Twitter, where matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com slash dark matinee any final thoughts
1: no thanks ryan
0: (laughs) it's like a whirlwind show and i thought we were going to get interrupted so i kept like looking at the door (laughs) waiting to get kicked out but for lola i'm ryan we will see you at the matinee